We are continuing now with our, our study on the distinctives of following Jesus Christ. We've been going through this now for a number of weeks, and uh, we are looking at exactly what does it mean when we say that we will follow Jesus. What does that look like? Where does that take us? And so, some of you have joined in uh, halfway through. Just a, a quick summary. There's three distinctives or three categories of give up, give in, and give out, each having three distinctives within that of, of commands. And then the last one is reproduce. When we follow Jesus, the ultimate measurement of whether we are following Jesus is simply, are there other disciples that are making disciples that come from our life? And that is the the measurement of our own discipleship, of our Christ-likeness. There's impact, there's fruit, not just the fruit of the Spirit in our life, but people who are enraptured with Jesus Christ, who make disciples. That's challenging. I'm going to tell you, that's just simply challenging, and it's not things I've heard most of my life growing up, but they're right here in the Bible. Jesus brings this to us. And so, in looking at this, when we talk about giving up, we saw that giving up entails surrendering. There is a surrendering of our life, to depend on Jesus Christ. There is a sacrifice. A sacrifice that's involved. Now, what does that mean, sacrifice? Well, simply that you give up something you love. You give up something you love because you love something more. And so, when we surrender to Jesus, we see the value of Jesus and we give up things we love, but we love Jesus more. And then, we listen. We listen. That's an important part of this, is to understand that we're not going to listen to all the voices, but we start listening to God, listening to what He has to say. And so that takes us to the give in. If we're giving up, we're giving in. We're giving in to something. There's pressure that God is putting upon us, and so uh, we're going to abide. We're going to talk about abiding and how the Spirit of God is in our life, wants to dwell in us. We dwell in His Word. We think about it. We remain in His Word. We remain in His love. We remain in His presence. And that is a constant. We we are going back to that. And so we're abiding. And then we're obeying. That's what we looked at last time. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, Dr. Chuck Campbell was here and was talking about the importance of obeying. You cannot be a follower of Jesus apart from obeying. And then the last one of the giving in is what we're going to talk about this morning, and that's light, that Jesus instructs us to show light. And so that sounds kind of vague, doesn't it? Y'all remember the song, don't you? That's the little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. But you know, and that we, those of us who grew up in church, we heard that, but we never really thought, well, what does that mean? <laughs> How do I let my light shine? And what exactly is my light? 
you know, it, it's just, it's very figurative, isn't it? And so uh, I hope perhaps maybe we can break it down a little bit more. But as we keep on going next week, Lord willing, we're going to get to the give out stage. And the give out involves the commands of serving and sharing. Okay, we're going to talk about that, of how we, we serve and we love and we share. And then we reproduce. And a lot of times when we think about being a Christian, we go to that, don't we? We say, well, you know, a good Christian is going to serve people. A good Christian is going to share. A, a good p- Christian is going to love. And we, we focus right away because we know we ought to do that. Uh, the problem, though, is that if we focus on the serving and the sharing and the loving, and we do not do the giving up part of surrendering and sacrificing and listening and giving in to the abiding presence of God, the light of Christ, which we're going to talk about today, uh, and we, we don't obey, we're not going to be able to serve and share in love. And so when we find there's problems of serving and sharing and loving and reproducing, we've got to go back to the earlier stages. Perhaps maybe we're not surrendering something. Maybe there is something God has asked us to sacrifice and we're not. Or maybe we're not listening. And so it's helpful for us to, to get this down so we can go back. And so let's talk about this, this light. Have you ever been somewhere? In fact, if you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 11. Verse 33 through 36. It's going to be our, our focus passage this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. Uh, have you ever been in a room where there is really no light whatsoever. It's kind of fun for the first five seconds. <laughs> uh, I remember we were staying at a, a, a room, uh, and it was with my, my in-laws, and they would put me in this room at the beach uh, where there was really no light whatsoever. And it could be nine in the morning, but you thought maybe it's three. You, could, you couldn't wake up. It was just so dark. And you felt kind of silly, but you really did want a nightlight. <laughs> you know, a nightlight would be kind of just, just give me something for my eyes to focus on. And so we know the value of light. And so in that, let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. It is a, a parable that Jesus is sharing uh, to show the importance of responding to him. Responding to him. So uh, if you'll stand as we read this together. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. If you'll just read silently as I read aloud to you. Uh, This is standing in honor of the words of Jesus here. Uh, Verse 33. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy... Your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays give you light. You may be seated. This passage may seem a little disjointed. He has just been uh, interacting with the Pharisees, and they are asking him, asking Jesus, can you give us a sign that you really are the Messiah? 
And Jesus is a little flustered at this and just says, basically saying, you know, I've shown you all kinds of signs. There's no, there's no more signs I'm going to give you. If you don't know it at this point, then there is no knowing it. And, and so he says, the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of the prophet Jonah, which was a, a foreshadowing of his own uh, resurrection that would take place. And so it was a, a prophecy toward that. And so he's responding to their lack of response. The fact that they see these things. And you ever seen someone where they witness all the same stuff you've witnessed growing up in your life, but they are so different from you? We are talking about that uh, just, just recently, just how our own siblings, we grew up in the same home, but we can be so very different from one another. And, and you see this in your own children, in your own family around you, how they encounter the same experiences, but it seems like they have an opposite response than someone else. Have you ever wondered why that is? It has something to do with, with what's going on inside their heart and the things they choose. Where two people can witness the same experiences, hear the same gospel of Jesus, one will embrace it and one will reject it. It has something to do with choices they make inside of who they are. And Jesus is acknowledging that and uses this parable of light and a lamp to, and their eye to, to help them understand this. And so, as we look at verse 33... He talks about no one after lighting a lamp puts it into a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter it may see the light. Now, the lamps that they have back then are not like lamps that you and I know. Uh, they were actually just small jar, uh, jars of clay, vessels uh, that were just right in your hand. Uh, they would fit in one hand, and they would probably put some uh, the cheaper grade olive oil in there with a wick, and they would actually build into the wall a, a, a niche. Uh, so where we have those sconces there, there would instead be a, a niche, and they would place these lamps on these niches on the walls, and so they'd be up above to provide light for the room. And that was kind of what it looked like back then, and what perhaps Jesus had in his mind as he's describing this. And so the point of it is, though, is that when you have a light, the, the intention is that it is to be the object of focus. Uh, the light is to be the object of focus. Now, Uh, As we look at this and we put Scripture together, I want to just present to you a simple truth that Jesus is given to be the object of our focus. He is given to be the object of of our focus. As we read this, he says this is what lights do. Now, we want to distinguish lights from lamps, all right? Lights are something that come onto the lamp, all right? And so that's going to be important for us in just a little bit. Uh, But as we read in Scripture, we'll find that Jesus himself often likens himself to the lamp. Now, when we read the Genesis account, what was the first thing that God created? Anybody remember? In the beginning, God created all right, the heavens and the earth, all right? And the very first day, what? Someone said it. Light. Before, interesting, isn't before God made the sun and the moon, he made Light. Now, where did the light come from if there was no sun or moon? Well, it came from his presence. It came from his presence. Light was the very first thing made. So, if there are no eyes to behold, is it still light? <laughs> it's kind of like that tree in the forest, isn't it? Yes, because it flows from the character of God. He says, let me express myself this way and so light was created and then the sun is made but but as we read in colossians uh in, in colossians chapter 116 it tells us a little bit about creation in colossians 116 it says that when god said let us make make it in our image and and 
and to refer to himself in a plural way, we read in Colossians chapter 1.16, that is through Jesus that creation was made. So the light was made through Jesus from the Father. And so light itself flows from him. Now that, that's it, some, something to note about the importance of light in that it was the very first thing that was made. Now John chapter 8 verse 12, we're putting things together. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. All the lights that you see, Jesus is saying they're shadows. Isn't that something? The sun is a shadow. <laughs> you look into it and you'll go blind, but it's a shadow. It points to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light of life. And so Jesus is simply saying, I'm this light. And so when we put this together with this parable, he says, look, no one lights lamp and and puts it under a, a basket. It is to be focused upon. It is to be looked upon. It is to be the object of our focus, uh, as any light would do. And you can uh, go out to uh, a nice country place where there are no uh, street lights. You've been anywhere like that, and you see you can see lights forever, or stars forever up in the sky. But you have just one light in a dark place, and you can see it for a long time. And it's funny how your eyes just focus right on it. Jesus is saying, I'm to be that. I'm to be the object of your focus of all of life, according to John chapter 8, verse 12. Now, he says something similar in John 12, verse 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you might become sons of light. When Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. So he's saying, I'm the light. I'm walking around here with you. I'm here just for a little while. And if you believe in me, you will have light and you will know where you're going. If you don't believe, you do not know where you're going. You're walking in darkness. All right. So there's something about our understanding that is changed when we embrace Jesus and focus on Jesus. There's something about our destiny and our understanding of our destiny that changes when we focus on Jesus versus focusing on something else. That's what Jesus is presenting to us. Now, in John chapter 9, Jesus works a miracle. A blind man is there in the the temple area, and the disciples ask him, hey, who sinned to cause this man to be born blind? And Jesus replied simply that it wasn't because of the sin of man or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while his day, night, is coming when no one can work. So as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. All right? It's very simple. Jesus has come for you, for him to be the object of your focus. Why? Why should I stop focusing on my money, stop focusing on my health, stop focusing on my family, stop focusing on my my cars, my house, my status, my pride, my reputation, my death. Why should I stop focusing on that and instead focusing on Jesus? That's a good question, isn't it? So let's go on. He's going to talk about this. In verse 34, he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. Now, The lamp, not the light. The eye is the lamp of your body. What does a a lamp do? Well, a lamp is the vessel through which the light is shown. 
okay? Uh, so your eye is the lamp. It is your focus, and your focus can bear the light, can bear Jesus. And so your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. And so the question that's being asked is, what is it you are focusing on? What is it you are focusing on? You you can go to your room, and it won't take long for anyone who's observant to figure out what you focus on in life. I remember I would go into house and we would do some, some visits. With, and I would probably do this if I visit your house. I would find whatever is the point of attention in your room. Because chances are, some of you don't like to talk, but if I can bring up whatever it is that is the focus of attention in your living room, or your den, or whatever you want to call it, then you'll talk about that. So most of us, it's around the TV, isn't it? <laughs> I said, well, I'll bring up some TV show. Or there may be some picture in prominence. Or there's some memento in prominence. It becomes obvious because we want to focus on things that our life revolves around. And so we'll put it up in the walls of our room so we can be reminded of this and think about this. Or or we'll have it around us just as a, a reminder of the things that matter to us in life. And so let me ask you, what is it that you focus on? You see, here's the point number two that's really Jesus is bringing out is as your focus goes, so goes your life. Why does it matter that we focus on Jesus? Because whatever we focus on is where our life goes. What is it that captures us? You know that, that, that saying, you are what you eat? Perhaps. But you definitely are what you focus on. It's been a little while, but I have a, a mountain bike, and I used to go on mountain trails, which is a little fun, scary sometimes, and hard. Uh, and so what will happen, and those of you who ride motorcycles will, will know this, this same phenomenon, is as you're going down a single trek, a small little trek, uh, and you sometimes only have a little bit of space uh, that will capture just your handlebars, and if your elbows are sticking out, you better watch out, and because there'll be trees, there'll be rocks, and on stumps, roots, and you might be going fairly fast down a, a, a truck. So here's what happens. We'll see a tree coming right in front of us down uh, this truck that if we don't avoid, we'll hit. So our mind will tell us there's danger, there's danger, there's danger. But the problem is, is that if you keep looking at the danger, and you keep focusing on that tree, and you keep telling yourself, I don't want to hit that tree. I don't want, no, I don't want to hit that tree. You will run smack into that tree because you are focusing on it. And the only way you can avoid that is for you to tell yourself, there is a tree. I don't want to hit that. Where do I want to go? And you look at where you want to go. And so you have to look at where you want to go to go there. If you look at where you don't want to go, you hit it. That's true with riding motorcycles and and bicycles. What Jesus is saying is, you're going to focus on where you will go. So, if that is true, we want to focus on the best possible object in life. 
We want to focus on the best possible object in life. And so notice what Jesus says in verse 35. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. So, if I am focusing on money, is there any life given to me by money? If it is the hope of my life, it is the focus of my life, what do I do when money flies away? If the brightest spot in my life is money, it is a dark thing. And so the brightest thing is just a dark thing. How much worse is the rest of my mind? You see what I'm saying? If your focus is yourself and your own reputation, that is a fragile thing. What do we do when that gets broken and you see yourself for how you are? If your focus is yourself, you have a dark lamp, a dark eye. If the focus is on materials, it is a dark eye, it's a dark lamp, and we are walking in darkness. And, and here's the thing, as, as we read scripture, anything in creation, if it is our focus, it becomes dark. Because fact of the matter is that if it exists in this world, it will perish. It's just a matter of time. It's corrupt. It will decay. It, it goes like that. And so, Jesus is warning us, be very careful, lest the light in you be dark. So, what do we do? takes us as we think about this light jesus is given to be the object of our focus as your focus goes so goes your life therefore focus on the best possible object which is jesus when we focus on jesus we become glorious i'm gonna say that again when we focus on jesus we become glorious. That sounds appealing. How does that happen? Well, we've got to figure out this a little bit. First of all, we're filled with a glorious spirit when we focus on Jesus. He says, if then your whole body is full of light having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its ray gives you light. He says there's something about when you focus on Jesus Christ, there is a supernatural activity that comes in and makes your whole life filled with this light. All right? Now, what we're talking about here is Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. We, now, Jesus has already said he is the light of the world, but we're going to read some other passages here that kind of sounds a little contradictory. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 14 and 16 says, You are the light of the world. Now, didn't I just read that Jesus said he is the light of the world? And now he's talking to people, and he says, You are the light of the world. Well, which one is it? Is it Jesus, or is it the disciples? It, how does that work? He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but understand it gives light to all in the house. Sounds similar, doesn't it? 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the end result of our light shining is people seeing good works in us and they glorify the Father. All right? So when we are the light, we glorify the Father. Now John 16 verse 13 talks about the Holy Spirit. It says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, for whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, when we put these passages together, it lets us know that the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Jesus, is the one that comes into our life, who is the light of the world. And so now it's not just Jesus who is the light of the world. When the Spirit of God is reigning in my life, I become the light of the world because Jesus is in me. You see how it goes back to that distinctive of following Jesus, abiding in Him. We cannot have light coming from us if we're not abiding in the presence of God in our life, if He is not our focus. Okay? So now, with the Spirit of God in our life, we become glorious because we're filled with a glorious Spirit. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, What? Do you not know? Your body is the temple of God. The temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. You see, the Spirit of God dwells in us and gives us this opportunity to glorify Him. And so, it has something to do with what we focus. We say, how do we be filled with the Spirit? What well, Jesus has already given us some clues that I've read to you. He says, one, you believe. You believe in the light. You believe that God is who He is through Jesus Christ, and you believe that He wants to fill your life with, with Him. And so we surrender, we surrender, and as we learned, as the vine is, is uh, the source for the branch, the branch is, is into the vine, we surrender all our nourishment of how we can get nourishment from things of this world and find it in Jesus Christ. And so as a branch is fed by the vine, so we are fed by the Holy Spirit. We're surrendering and trusting in Him, and there's repentance in that as we turn from our sin, and we believe in the Spirit of God can now work through us. And so we're filled with the glory of the Spirit. Now, what else makes us glorious when we focus on Jesus? Well, He calls glory to be given to God. We cause glory to be given to God. And so we read that in Matthew 5, 16. You are the light of the world. When this happens, we give glory to your Father which is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. And so what makes us glorious? A glorious spirit within us. And now because this spirit of God is moving and working in our life, helping us to have joy and love, it now makes it so other people can glorify the Father. What else? Well, as we read in John 16, verse 13 and 14, we talked about this already. When we have the Spirit of God in us and light is in us, we are the recipients of the authority of Jesus. He says, Jesus is saying, whatever the Spirit hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We become the recipients of the authority of Jesus. Now, as we look at this, and the Spirit of God is working in our life, something else happens. We are transformed into the object of our focus. We're transformed into the object of our focus. We become what we focus on. Where do we find this? Well, 
2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 through 18 says this. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of, of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What we focus on, our, our Catherine saying, he said, be thou my vision, my best thought by night and by day. When we wake up, Jesus is saying, I want to be your best thought. I want to be your first thought, and I want to be your last thought. Why? Because whatever you focus on, you become. And God doesn't want you to be fueled by dead stuff. We have uh, we've had a car that required premium unleaded. Ah, yeah. Has great mileage. <laughs> but what's the point of all this great gas mileage if you're having to fill it up with high cost gas? Been tempting. What do we do if we put something less in it? <laughs> I haven't gone there. <laughs> because people tell me bad things. You see, Certain engines and certain gas tanks are to be filled with a certain type of fuel for it to run at its optimum. Do you understand that Jesus has made you to be fueled by his Holy Spirit? And our problem is that we keep taking diesel and putting it in, and it doesn't work. We're not made to be fueled by our pride, nor our fears, nor status, our possessions. Our body, our hope, our soul breaks down. God wants you to be run and fueled by glorious things because he is intended for you to be a picture of glory, to cause glory. To have a glorious spirit within you. To be transformed. And there is something in our heart that knows we're broken. They know, we know that. There's songs sung about that, that. That we're broken. And we want to fix people. And we want to fix ourselves. And we can't. And we're frustrated. You see, you were made to be fueled by Jesus Christ. Here's the glory. This is a great thing. When I focus on Jesus... That means I take everything that I discover about me from Jesus and I give it to him. As I read the word of God and read the words of Jesus, it exposes stuff in me that I realize, man, this is heinous. I'm, I'm, I didn't know I was as selfish as I am. But I read the word of God and it tells me things. And then it identifies thoughts that I have and I think, oh my goodness. Now, if I take these things revealed by the word of God, revealed by the light of Jesus, if I take those things, those dark, ugly things, and I cover them up. So I don't look at them. I don't get the power of Christ working in me. Because the power of Christ comes only through confessing in humility. Confessing my sins and asking for the grace of God to come in. And so what do other people see? 
They see my image, but there's no power there. And that image doesn't produce joy. I'm going to tell you, people wear themselves out pushing up an image. They will ultimately kill themselves trying to push up an image. But if I take these things that, that are ugly, that's been brought to me by the light of Jesus and his words, and I say, okay, God, you see me. I don't cover them up anymore. I confess my sin before you. Because my only hope is not my performance. My only hope is that I belong to you. And Jesus forgives them. I can come before a world and say, you know what? I have heinous parts of me, but I'm going to tell you great news. God forgives me and gives me joy. There is no joy that comes from pretending to be godly. Have you figured that out yet? There is no joy of putting up some facade of holiness. The joy and holiness comes together when we take our sin and say, God, you've forgiven me. And now the Spirit of God comes in and, and it works through my sin and points to God. It's an amazing thing. You see, holiness is not the absence of sin, but the abundance of repentance and the grace of God coming in that transforms me absolutely changes my desires. And I go through my day and say, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Do you think through the times of your life, the things you look for in life? I remember when I was growing up and I was looking to be cool. So I want to hang out with the cool people. And then figured out you had to do something or be something to be cool. And then so I had to figure out, well, what am I going to do and be? And so I decided in my middle school, you know, well, maybe I'll make surfing my identity. Um, even though I live two hours away from the... <laughs> but you know, see, the beautiful thing about it is no one had to watch me surf, and they thought I was cool. You see? That's how that works. And so you put up, you, you wear the clothing, and you put up the, the posters, and you say, this is my identity. This, this is my niche. And so I start looking for that everywhere I go, and I start seeking friends who are like that. And, and then uh, as you get up in, in high school, you, you realize you start looking for girls. And so everywhere you go, that's where... You know, uh, my focus was. And then as I got into college, I was like, well, now I need to present myself. And so I was constantly comparing, looking at other people and see what I could take from them and, and, and push them down and take from them and build me up. And so I was looking at myself. And somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit intervenes in that and says, these things bring death. They don't bring life. If they did, I would have still kept doing them. But they brought death. And through the word of God, the Spirit was just calling out to me and said, come to me. You're weary and heavy. Let it come to me. Let me change you. And I'm going to tell you, since I started learning to do that in college, it has been one adventure after another. And has never gotten boring once. And the good news is as I come across what seems to be insurmountable things in my own heart and life, of things, you know, this is, I'm dead set in this way, but I have learned that God is enough. His Spirit is sufficient to change me from the inside. And so as I look at this, and I, I bring this passage to you and say, look, if you focus on Jesus, you become glorious. Why? Because you are transformed into the object of your focus. As you go through your day, what do you look for? Are you looking for the lawns, the houses, the furniture, the clothing? Look for Jesus. Let that be the object 
all your focus. So, as this happens, I want to bring to you Ephesians 5, verse 18 through 14. When, when we focus on Jesus, we start exposing false lights as inglorious. We start focusing on Jesus and the Spirit of God is working in us, filling us. Then we start exposing false lights. See, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You become light, and you expose dark. How does that work? Well, you might be with someone at your neighborhood, your family, co-worker, and you might go through similar experiences, or they might watch you go through something, and you realize that this thing that's taken from you, be it your health or a person or a job or money, whatever's been taken from you, you realize that's going to happen, but it never was your hope. It never was the thing that really you focused on, because you still have the Spirit of God, His relationship with you. That has always been your strength, and it still is your strength, so therefore, your joy has not been taken. Your love is still uh, evident, and there is a strength to endure. And as that happens, people around who do not have Jesus as their hope, as their focus, will realize, you know what, they are responding very differently here, and they see now that light still shines from you. There's still something attractive about you, and it exposes in their life their false lights. And they realize there's something different about you. You've got something that I don't have. The tragedy is that some of us have seen a great light, but we've instead turned to dark things that don't really matter when it's all said and done. And then, as we look at this, what makes us glorious by focusing on Jesus? Well, we cause glory to be given to God. We're filled with the glorious spirit. We are recipients of Jesus' authority. We're transformed into the object of our focus. We expose false lights as, as inglorious. But then we show God's glorious power. Remember this scenario, I'm telling you, it, it, people become aware you're trusting in a strength that's greater than anything that, that a 401k could give you. you. You have some kind of joy that is greater than any kind of luxury home uh, or vacation could give you. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. They, they don't see Jesus as a treasure. This has been done to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Remember that lamp, that little jar, clay vessel? Everyone knew it was just a vessel and the light came from the oil burning when you are
and the strength of the Holy Spirit is working in your life, and you go through difficult, hard times, people will realize you're just like them. You got the same failings. How is it you have joy? How is it you have strength? How is it you have love? It is because there is something within you burning. It is the Spirit of God working in your life. And the more normal you are, the greater glory given to the God who strengthens you. Some of us think, well, you know, I don't have a powerful change of personality. I don't have all this education. I don't have any. If you are normal, you have great potential for glory given to God. And if you are below average, good news. There is even greater potential to give glory to God. You know, the disciples, when they were being called forth after Jesus' resurrection, and they were being challenged, integrated, integrated, I won't use that word, (laughs) questioned for the things they were preaching. And these are all scholars. They know the Bible, and they bring them forth. These are fishermen. And they realize by their boldness that something is different. These guys are subpar on the education level. They were timid before. They were the ones that were cursing that they, that they knew Jesus on the night of crucifixion. But now they're bold? What's going on? They were subpar. And they could not help but recognize they've been with Jesus. He's made a difference. If you're subpar, you're flawed, good news. God uses you through your flaws to show the light of Christ. So we take our flawed self and we say, God, I need your Holy Spirit to work in my life. And he can take that. It's just like a a little light. You can take a light and you can shine it on something. If they don't receive it, it doesn't come back. It just sits there. But if you can shine it in something that will reflect it, if you can take a diamond, this is the closest thing I got a diamond, guys, sorry. (laughs) You take a diamond. Yeah, that's not, there we go. You take a diamond where there's a little crack. You see that crack? That crack that's in there reflects it back. So whereas one time it's just a little dot, you got a crack, and that Spirit of God takes that crack in your life and reflects it and shows the grace of God at work in your life. All the little flaws come out and it shows instead of, of, instead of blocking it, instead says, I'll take the Spirit of God and I'll reflect it back with the flaws of your life. And that's the good news, is that He wants to be the light of your life. You don't have to be just a clear-looking candle. You can be flawed, cracked, and the Spirit of God says, I want you. I want you to be my temple, and I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to let that light shine. Sometimes we're afraid to witness to people, afraid to talk to others because, you know what, we're not perfect. That's why you should. (laughs) That's why you should share with someone because you're not perfect. And it's in that that God can work. I want to I want to share with you just a story. This is a, a couple I know. They live down uh, in Garner, uh, not too far away. But they've known church a long time. Been in church. But they moved to an area in Garner, and they decided that they needed to do something 
different. They wanted to let a light shine. So just listen to the story as they share it. We are Brian and Brandy. And this is how we took the next step to impact lostness. In 2008, we moved to a new neighborhood. We wanted to love our neighbors and try to really understand what Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. We began to just go to parties and functions in the neighborhood. Most of the neighbors had moved in at the same time, and so there were a lot of people that were seeking community. We um, had never done that in the past. We were maybe too busy. One thing we did learn is that they were very close-knit, and that was a positive thing. I think we saw they knew each other, they were in each other's yards. We began to just develop relationships with our neighbors. And those relationships, conversations, uh, went to our passions. Our passions did come out, and one of those was Christ, just being a follower of Him. Um, And I know some people would ask spiritual questions, but the door always felt like it was shut. But we just kept praying and praying, and knowing we didn't want to do a program, we had done the knock on doors before, but really wanted to love them and share our lives. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.8 became just um, critical to us in sharing the gospel and sharing our very lives. We were at a Christmas party, and one of, one of my close friends now, uh, he, he looked at me at the party, and, and he said, you know, I knew you were a Christian, and, but, but you don't seem that bad. And then Labor Day rolled around, and I remember walking into the backyard of one of our neighbors for the party, and um, one of the ladies out of the blue just says, okay, so you guys have been mentioning that you would do this Bible study. When are you going to start it? Because we're all going to come. And I think I almost fell out of my chair and called Brian over and said, hey, they want to do the Bible study, and they're going to come. We began that first night telling the Bible stories, instead of actually studying the Bible by reading the actual text. This group doesn't give Sunday school answers, if you know what I mean. I mean, they, they really <laughs> press in, they ask hard questions, they ask the, the questions that would not be seen as polite questions even, because they're hungry to really understand and know, and they challenge things that, that church folks probably take for granted. One of the guys said to me, or said to the group, He said, you know, I've always seen religion as us trying to get to God, but in every story you've told, it seems like God is trying to get to us. That tells the big picture of the gospel. God is in pursuit of a relationship with with His people. I hope that excitement spreads because it's been contagious to me to really be excited about seeing them discover more about Christ and about this faith. I love these people, and there's hope in Jesus. If I love my God and I love my neighbors, I have to introduce them to one another. Our next step was simply to be present in the lives of our neighbors. 